All right, so because the scripture is clear that if we don't feed the lambs, we're not going to feed the sheep. And I really uh, appreciate the adults uh, who work in ministry in general, uh, not just sports ministry, but all the ministry in our church and all the churches in the land, because it's so important. The children of the in the churches are not the future; they are the now. Uh, just the devil's attacking them now. We got to be we got to be protecting them now. We got to be preparing them now. Uh, because it's on right now. And so it's so important that we do invest in our children, and uh, they do represent um, and present for us a great opportunity uh, to be a blessing to God. And he's blessed. The fruit of the womb is his reward. So he's rewarded us, us with children, and we need to take care of the children that God has blessed us with. And so we're also blessed to have Mitch and Jody Newland. Uh, they head up our Kingdom Seekers ministry. Mitch and Jody have been leading the ministry for about five years, I think. I think that I was going back in my head. I think, I think it's about five years. I could be off. And they've been doing an outstanding job. Uh, we're fortunate to have a godly couple with a biblical passion uh, in assisting the, the parents of HBF and training our children in the way they should go. Uh, and so this is our second annual SHIELD presentation, uh, which uh, Mitch is going to oversee here in just a minute. So um, I just want you guys to, to give uh, Mitch and Jody some love. As, they, as we're going to transition this to the shield ceremony and uh, continue uh, the celebration this morning. All right, is this on? Can you guys hear me? Pardon me a minute while I get situated real fast. I'm actually going to take these and put them on the stool. So none of the kids, nobody's actually seen, except for maybe a slight few, have seen what these look like. Um, what you're actually going to see here in a minute, once they get started as a slideshow, um, raise your hand for me if you were here for last year's shield ceremony, and you guys remember that. Okay, so there's a few of you who don't know what's going on. So every year uh, in June time frame, we do a promotion ceremony for all the kids who move up uh, through the classroom, so as they age out. And um, so the fifth, fifth graders move up to the youth which is always a crazy time in everybody's lives. But so last year what I started was a uh, making shields. This was my first year. I got to catch my breath. Hang on. Whew. I don't know why I was nervous for this. My biggest goal was to not get emotional. So um, last year we had custom-made shields that we presented to all the kids moving up um, from fifth into sixth grade. I wanted to do that again this year. So we have five kids moving up and um, from fifth grade into sixth grade that are regular members. And uh, this is just a moment to charge them and to – also charge you as a church body to pray for them. So um, while you see those slides going through, that's just the process of making them. God really blessed an opportunity for me to have some key friends that uh, provided the resources to be able to do this. So last year I had somebody make them, and they were made out of plywood. This year they're made out of cedar, and they're much more, um, well, I won't say professionally done because I did them. So, But they're, they're hopefully better. And uh, so you'll see those slides. But while that goes, I want to quickly read a poem. So on the back of these shields, I have one line from a poem by C.T. Studd, and uh, this poem reads this way. It says, two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice. 
Betty me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. A faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. O oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, "'Twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So there's one line, uh, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last is handwritten on the back of these shields. And it's just a reminder for these, for these children. I'm gonna take a drink real quick. It's been a crazy morning, if you guys couldn't tell. All right, so. So what this is is a moment for you guys, and uh, we have Oliver Friend, Thomas Cohen, we have Elena Gibson, hi Elena, the only girl moving up this year, Bryson Barnes, and Elias Larkham. So uh, as Brian said, we've been leading the ministry for about five years. We've been uh, volunteering and serving in the ministry for almost 10. So these children are all 11, going on the 12, going into sixth grade. So we have seen them since they were babies. So for us, this is a big deal, uh, watching them move up. And so I hope this is encouraging to you all, but this is mostly targeted towards these five children here. So I hope you guys hear what I have to say and mostly what the Word of God has to say for your lives. So I want to talk about five young men in Scripture that you guys can pattern your lives off of. Unfortunately, I didn't get a young female, but the principles still stand, Elena, you know that. So we have Daniel, and I want to talk about his purposed heart. We have Samuel, and I want to talk about his obedient heart. We have Josiah, and I want to talk about his tender heart. David and his courageous heart, and then Timothy and his faithful heart. So all five of these men were young men in their life when God called them and used them mightily. So in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now I think we all know the story of Daniel. I know you guys know the story of Daniel. And uh, presented with this opportunity... And the king wanted to fatten them up and make them stronger and mightier. And they chose to not defile themselves, specifically Daniel, purposed in his heart to not defile himself, to not corrupt himself with the king's meat that would lead him into sinning against his Lord and to sinning against God. So uh, I challenge you to purpose in your heart to not be defiled with the things of this world and the things it has to offer. Because what we see in Daniel chapter 1, 19 through 20, it says, And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king, that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. So because of the choices that they made to abstain from the things of the world that the king had to offer, um, they were wiser than all of the men of the kingdom. So that is a possibility for you guys as well. And then we move on to Samuel. In 1 Samuel three sixteen through 18, it says, Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is this thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee. 
And more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee, and Samuel told him every whit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seemeth good. And I was thinking about Samuel's life, and you know, often we see Samuel when he's responding to the Lord, but uh, he thinks it's Eli, and he keeps going to him, and we see the obedience in that. But ultimately in this passage, we see that I can imagine how hard it was for Samuel to be obedient to tell Eli what the Lord had said and be obedient to the Lord in that. Because I'm sure he did not want to tell him what was to come. But he was obedient to that and Samuel uh, told him to tell him or was told to tell him and he did and he did not hold it back. So I challenge you not to hide things from the Lord, not to hide in your sin, but to actually get before the Lord and be obedient to him and confessing that before him so that you can be in good fellowship with him. Um, Our flesh will tempt us to hide. And uh, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says that he that um, hideth his sin shall not prosper, but he that confesseth them, that forsaketh it and confesses it will have mercy. I kind of butchered that verse, but um, we need to not be hiding uh, behind our sin. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And that's what we need to avoid. So we see Samuel's obedience and being uh, obedient even in the difficult things. And then we move on to Josiah. So Josiah in Second Kings twenty-two nineteen through twenty, it says, "Because thine heart was tender." And thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord. When thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and has rent thy clothes and wept before me, I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore I will gather thee unto thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered into the grave in peace. And thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the king word again. So Josiah was a really a wrecking ball for wickedness uh, in the nation of Israel. And he turned that entire nation around as a young boy and as a teenager and uh, surrender to the word and the law of the Lord. and But ultimately, it, it rooted from his tenderness and his humility. So that is what I desire for all of you guys. And I know each of you possess that in your heart to an extent, but we all have our moments of selfishness uh, and pride. But we need to make sure that we humble ourselves as Josiah did so that we can see this nation turned around. And then we have David. First Samuel seventeen thirty-two through 36 says, And David said unto Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Speaking of Goliath, you guys know this story. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. So you see David in his courage because he stood behind the Lord. He didn't stand in front of him. He knew who was fighting his battles, and that allowed him to have courage even when the entire army was shaking and terrified. Which leads to Acts 13, 22, and it says, And when he had removed him, and he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart which shall fulfill all my will. So David became a man after God's own heart because he sought God's glory and because he was courageous and bold to stand and present him before the world. And then we move on to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let let no man despise thy youth. Oftentimes, as you guys know as children, people look down and say, oh, you can't do anything with this. And I'd like you to know, church, that these children, all of them, can have have a purpose and have a work in the work of God. They are just as much as the body as you guys are if they get born again. And there is something that they can do. And so uh, we see Paul's command to Timothy says, Let no man despise thy youth. He would have said that because people were despising his youth. He says, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and in purity. 
And then he goes on to say in 2 Timothy 1.5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. So your unfeigned faith is Timothy. Be an example to this body. Be an example to your friends. I would keep telling you guys, you know, you are the influence of your friends. Whether it's good or bad, you will see it and you will face the consequence for it for whatever way you go. So have unfeigned faith uh, when you follow the Lord and be that influence uh, for those around you. So ultimately, I do this and I do the shield ceremony for uh, a specific purpose. And that is out of Ephesians 6. And you guys have heard me say this thousands of times. And so I want to challenge you to bear your guys' shield. And this is meant to be a token of this time in your life as you transition from the elementary wing up to the student ministry. And as you tra- tra- transition, those of you to go to public school into middle school, which everybody knows is a great and wonderful time where everybody uh, has great memories. Most people don't. So it is a difficult time. It is a transitionary period where you are growing. And those are the vulnerable times when the enemy likes to attack. Whenever you're transitioning from one space to another, when you're caught off guard and there's a lot of distractions is when he will attack And in Ephesians 6.16, where we see the armor of God laid out, it says this, Above all, above what? Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And we know from Jeremiah 17.9-10, through it says, The heart is deceitful. What, guys? Above all. Above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings. So guys, the world, Bryson, Elias, Elena, Tom, and Ollie, the world, the flesh, and the devil are after your hearts. The world will tell you to follow your heart. The devil will tell you to follow your heart. And your flesh will definitely tell you to follow your heart. But as we know, it's deceitful. You must do everything you can to guard it. Because he will use your foes, so your enemies, your friends, those closest to you, and even your family at times to attack you. Because your hearts are vulnerable, especially at this time. So you must do everything you can to hold your shield up of faith and to be faithful to not put down your shield. Because the attacks will come and we want to help you, but also you at one point, if you guys were there, I don't think Elena was there, but you boys were there for when we talked about what a mighty man looks like, right? He cleaves to the sword and he stands his ground, but he stands alone when it comes to standing before the Lord. And we talked, we talked about the, some of the mighty men of past and they were left on the battlefield alone. And they stood alone and they claved with the sword. So, but no matter what comes, it's your choice to bear your shield. It's your choice. So I want this to be a moment in your life where you're looking looking back. And I know a lot of us have those moments in our lives where we can look back and see the things that have happened and these altar-building moments in our lives as we transition through through life. And uh, I pray that this moment will be that for you. And here in a moment, I'm going to give you this charge that we see in Scripture. Because more importantly, that I charge you to do this, it's that God charges you to do this. And uh, so... And this is also a charge for you, church, to pray for these children, uh, to help them, to um, just watch them grow and encourage them along the way. So my charge to you guys is the same charge that the Lord gives in 1 Kings 2, 3 through 4. It says, and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest. And whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth, with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. So ultimately, my charge to you is to walk in his ways. And we see that pattern through the lives of these five men, through Daniel with a purposed heart. Be purposed not to defile yourself with the things of the world. 
But Samuel with an obedient heart. We know Ephesians 6, 1, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, right? And you guys have to do that. But ultimately, you have to obey the Lord. And then Josiah with his tender heart. Remember to stay humble. And David with his courageous heart. Remember that there will be giants, there'll be lions, there'll be bears. But you can be courageous because we know who fights our battles. And ultimately, we have Timothy who ended with a faithful heart. And we need to be faithful for that. So that is my charge to you five. I hope you take it to heart. And church, I hope you take the charge to pray for them and to remember them. So I'd like to invite them up right now. So Elias... Go ahead and lead the line up. You're going to come up on stage. I want you guys to line up right over here. So you guys saw the process. I think you guys saw it too. So you guys will get the first look. So these are your shields this year. You guys can see that. Now you can turn around and face the group. I'll hand you guys each your shield. So here you go, church. You can see them. So these were a labor of love, absolutely. Uh, it, was a, it was a lot of hard work. Um, we were a little message on the back for the kids. But uh, these are... Um, really cool. I'm excited for these this year. Hopefully I can continue this because um, this was a lot of work. It was good though. So um, first we have, who we got on the end? We got Ollie. I'll find yours. One second. There we go. All right, Oliver. So this is Oliver Friend. Here's your shield, buddy. All right, Tom. There you go, bud. That's Thomas Cohen. (laughs) Elena. You're welcome. Elena Gibson. (laughs) Bryson Barnes. And finally, Elias Larkham. So... So, and ultimately my desire is that you guys would keep these and let them be a reminder for you that the church is praying for you and that you need to ultimately make the choice to bear your shield. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy those. And it's just a token of my love for you guys. And uh, I know I'm not, not going to talk about them individually because I will start crying. So uh, I love you guys and I appreciate all you guys have done. And uh, let's just give them a hand. Hey, Ollie, you can lead him down that way. You guys can join the group. Good job. Give them some more applause. That is, that's so good. Appreciate that. Man, it's so good to have rites of passage and to base it in the Word of God. Um, as we talk about faith and shields of faith, um, I want to just talk to you briefly. It won't take, I know you're probably like, oh my goodness, Brian's going to go another hour. I promise you I will not. Turn in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. We're going to talk about faith and the Father, as we call him the Father of faith, it's Abraham. It's appropriate as we as we talk about, you know, shields of faith and, and this transition, and we're coming up on Father's Day. This is sort of a Father's Day primer, but it has everything to do with everything that we've seen and witnessed this morning as we go to Genesis chapter 18 and verse 17. Um, I tell you, you have been sitting a little while. If you, if you feel like standing, please feel free to stand. If you are kind of stiff and you can't stand, I understand. Please remain seated. But if you can stand, it's a good time to stretch your arms and your legs a little bit. Look at the Word of God. Genesis chapter 
18, first book in your Bible. If you don't know where that's at, it's on page 26 in the Bibles that uh, were distributed this morning or in the seat rack in front of you. Genesis chapter 18 and verse, uh, and I'm going to start in verse 17. Uh, the Lord, just kind of a little background, the Lord is has appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 because Abraham is praying. Uh, he's given him a promise, and then Abraham goes to intercede on behalf of of his uh, nephew Lot. And the Bible says in verse, we'll start in verse 16. It says, And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great promise that has uh, come to partial fulfillment, but is still yet to unfold in uh, you know the millennial reign and then eternity future. There's still a lot left to be accomplished, but we're winding down uh, the kingdom of God aspect of this promise, and we're so thankful, Lord, to be a part of it, and we're thankful to be in a position to preach the gospel as we ought until the catching away of the church. And we want to be faithful men and women. We want to be a faithful church that is doing what you call us to do until uh, the Lord returns. We thank you, Lord, for just the investment of the word, just the, the John and Romans that went out in the soccer league this year, the, 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 the word of God that went out in the devotions, Lord, all the things that have, have transpired, uh, Lord, in, in ministry throughout the last uh, 10, 11 years of these young people's lives to get the word of God into them. And, Lord, we pray over these kids uh, that are in the children's ministry, the kids in the junior high ministry, the high school ministry. We pray for our family, our college students, those that are uh, now adults. And, and Lord, we know what that means. Or may we be counted faithful. I pray, God, that we would be a man or a woman that God would look at and, and, and say, why wouldn't I trust uh, this person or that person? Put our name in the blank. Why wouldn't I trust? I am entrusting to them the riches of the kingdom of God. Why wouldn't I reveal my will to them? Oh, Heavenly Father, reveal your word to us this morning. In the time we have left, I pray you bless it for your honor and glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So Genesis 18, this verse and verse 19 in particular is what I want to focus on. It reveals not only that Abraham, you know, could be trusted of God, but, but God, or not, not only that Abraham trusted God, I should say rather. Of course, we know Abraham trusted God, but that God trusted Abraham. That's a question mark. That, that sentence is a question mark. He's, he's, God is having a conversation and, and asking, why wouldn't I share uh, the information with Abraham of whom I'm going to bless and make a mighty nation? This man is trustworthy. He has my stamp of approval. And, and that, can that be said of, of me? Can that be said of you? Are we raising up our children in a household of faith? And I titled this this morning, Building a Household of Faith, because that's exactly what Abraham was doing. At this point, uh, he doesn't have his promised seed. Um, he has been promised a seed, but he doesn't have it. And, uh, and yet God is talking about his household because this man was a faithful man. And God had, even though he'd made, we know he was out of fellowship and he made some mistakes. So he wasn't a perfect, sinlessly perfect man, but he was a faithful man, right? And so him and Sarah, they had some missteps, but God used them. And what we have here in Genesis 18 uh, and 19 and verses eight, in chapters 18 and 19, not the verses, is the tale of two fathers, and that's why I wanted to touch on it this morning and, and, and quickly work through this as we kind of get ready and prime the pump maybe for next week as we consider Father's Day in, in context of all the things that we're doing, in context of the culture. Um, I mean, right now is a time to be talking about what you know our role in the lives of children is are because there is a certainly an attack on innocence in our culture, and, and not just in the American culture, around the world. And it's wicked, and it's terrible. 
And so uh, we stand in the way of that. Praise God. So we live in a time when the influence of Sodom is taking its toll upon the household of faith because some of our brethren are pitching their tent towards Sodom and migrating to a place of destruction. So God does not want that to happen. I don't want that to happen. I don't want it to happen in my life, and I don't want it to happen in your life. So God has given us this text to help us be faithful fathers like Abraham instead of failing fathers like Lot. Now you say, well, I may not be a father. Okay, well, be a faithful mother, right? And and so uh, just where the shoe fits, wear it. So in a few moments that we have left, I want to concentrate or contrast, I should say rather, the virtues of a faithful father as compared to a faithless father. And it's interesting that Abraham had the character of a faithful father long before he bore children of promise. So Lot, on the other hand, had children. He had a family intact, and yet he had been misguiding his family. So you have this contrast, a man who God is trusting with promises, talking about a household. By the way, the first mention of household is right here in the text in the Bible in verse 19. Uh, the first mention of household is there for a man who doesn't have, he has servants and he has, uh, and, and, and he has, of course, he has a child and, and uh, he will have his, his he has uh, Ishmael, uh, but he has not yet received the child Isaac. And so uh, I want to talk about building a household of faith. A faithful father, and this is in your outline, can be trusted to build a household of faith. And how's that going to happen? Well, they're going to be, a, they're going to be a faithful follower of Christ. Abraham Follow God from Ur Chaldee to Syria and then to the land of Canaan. And Paul exhorted the saints in Corinth to follow him as he followed Christ um, precisely because he had a relationship with them as a father and not just as a teacher. In 1 Corinthians 4, verses 15, the Bible says, For though you have a thousand instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And so the roles of what a father and a mother are are going to be continuously blurred. But God has established this. The role of fatherhood is important, and it's important in the church. It's important in a spiritual context. And Paul says, you know what I need you to do because I'm a father is follow me. Now, the reason that God could trust Abraham is because Abraham had faithfully followed his father in heaven, right? He left Ur of Chaldees, and then he followed. He only went so far while his earthly father was alive. He went up to Syria and then, then after his father died, then he moved on and went to the promised land and, and sojourned in that area. Uh, Paul went on in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1 to say, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So Paul made it clear that the Corinthians were not to follow him because he had seniority, not just because he had whiskers, not just because he was the senior fellow. They, they followed him because he followed Christ. He was going somewhere that was the right direction. And that's really what we all need in life is to be going the right direction. And we're going to go the right direction when we follow Christ. Is, are you going the right direction? You don't need me to tell you that. In your soul, in your conscience, you know that right now. Am I going the right direction? One of the reasons we're gathered this morning at church maybe because you're in a struggle over that. And you know that. And you've made the right decision this Sunday morning to come to this local church at this time or you watch online because this is the direction that God wants you to go. He wants you to be in his word. He wants you to be about his business. But we know that we struggle. Oh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Right? So what do we got to do? Lord, take my heart and seal it in thy courts above. Right? We need our, we need our hearts sanctified and set apart. We need to be faithful to follow Christ, because otherwise we're not going to be worthy of being followed. If we're not following Christ, our families aren't going to be able to follow us effectively. And we're going to be bad examples of what God would have as a father or a mother. So there's a lot at stake, and we all need to follow Christ so others can follow us. It's worth noting 
that though Lot had followed Abraham faithfully from Ur Chaldees to Syria into Canaan into Egypt and back into Canaan, he'd followed faithfully for a long time before he swerved and went down to the fertile plains of Sodom and pitched the tent that direction. And so for me, and I don't know about y'all, it's not just about I used to follow or going back and I used to do this. I'm talking about from June 11th forward are we going to follow, right? So we got to go forward now. It's great what we did uh, yesterday. It's great what we did last year following Jesus if you've been faithful. Praise God for that. Now, now let's make sure we go forward and follow God because uh, it's mandatory. Uh, that doesn't mean the days ahead are going to be easy for Abraham. It doesn't mean the days ahead will be easy for you, but be committed to following him faithfully. That's what we do here at HBF is make disciples. Make disciples is ultimately about getting people to follow Christ. How can we get people to follow Christ if we're not following him ourselves? It's hypocrisy. It's, it's, it's also powerless, and we need power today. Point B, faithful fathers uh, train servants. In Genesis 14, one of my favorite passages about Abraham, in verse 14, he, he goes to this, there's this war that breaks out, and he's just kind of not involved. He's staying out of it. Until they grab Lot, you know the story. And I love the verse in, in verse 14 of Genesis 14. Uh, it says, And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Uh, and I just, I just get a kick out of that. There wasn't, at that time, there wasn't a Dan, so we know it was written later. Um, and so he pursued them all the way to the northern part of Israel from the southern part with 300 men. It was quite a victory. Amazing. God could trust Abraham with raising a faithful child because he had, he'd trained faithful servants. And, and you know what we're to do as parents? We're to train up our children in the way they should go. That word train is used all throughout the Bible. It's a good word study. I don't have time this morning. But when you think about training, right, that's being intentional. When you go to work, they train you. When you go to, to vocational school or you go to... Uh, if you're in a trade, right, trade school, they're going to train you. They're going to have a curriculum. They're going to teach you. They're going to be intentional. That's really what discipleship is about. And, and in the home, it is the same as it is in the church. In Galatians 4, the Bible says, Now I say that, that an heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Isn't that interesting? An heir, though he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. You could be the richest kid on the block, right? And, and, and you could be the king's son. But, but when he's a child, he differeth nothing from a servant. Why? Because God wants to train them. Right? They need to be trained up. They're not ready for that responsibility. He's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the who? The father. You may be born again, and, and by God's grace, I hope everyone in here is born again. If you're not, you need to be because you need to have the right father. That's where it starts. And then from there, God grows us and trains us and and man, we grow into in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to grow up, right, from children. And in the meantime, what are we? We're servants. We're being trained as servants, and that's what we need to do: is train up our children. Paul, uh, Timothy, or not Timothy, Abraham trained his servants. Three hundred and eighteen of those guys, and they they were they were shepherds. What were they doing? You know, mixed martial arts out there? Probably. I don't know, but they were doing something. Uh, that nobody else seemed to be doing because when it came time for him to go to war, he took 318 men and put armies to flight. I mean, it's an amazing. And Abraham is not noted as a, as a military person at all. I mean, it's not like he's Joshua. It's not like he's Caleb. It's not like he's David. It's not like any of those things. He's just some shepherd dude wandering around in the, in the, in the desert. Uh, you know, doesn't even want to get involved in the geopolitical activity. I mean, he's like, I'm out. I don't want anything to do with that stuff. But when it called upon, the dude was a bad boy. He was a bad man, obviously. And, uh, and he had a bunch of bad men with him. These guys, you know what, in a contemporary sense, what that would mean is these people knew 
not only were they trained, they knew how to use what they had learned, right? They knew how to use that staff. They knew how to use the weapons that they were employing to get rid of the lion and the bear and the Ammonite and the Amorite or whatever else they were facing at the time. They understood how to use what they had been taught. Deuteronomy 6 gives us a template. I'm going to read it quickly. Deuteronomy 6, 6 says, uh, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. It starts in the heart, dads and moms. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And, they, and so teach them, right? Train them. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, right? Not just on Sunday morning. It should be going on throughout the week. And, and, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he sware unto thy fathers, Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee a great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not. You see, to handle the blessings that God wants you to have, you've got to handle the word of God. The word of God has to be ever-present in our hearts. It has to be ever-present in our hands. It has to be ever-present in our mind. It has to be ever-present. Is the word of God a priority in my life? Is it a priority in your life? If it's not a priority in my life, it's not going to be in your life. The word of God has to be the priority, morning, noon, and night. You say, well, Brian, that's extreme. Yes. Have you not noticed that we live in a very extreme culture? It is time to get extreme about the Word of God. I'm not saying you got to be weird. I'm just saying you got to be weird in, in the sense that you're going to let your mind be renewed in the Word of God. You're going to gird up the loins of your mind so that you can stand in an evil day. And it is an evil day. And if those kids don't motivate you, I don't know what else will. Because there's got to be somebody to stand in the gap and make up a difference. And, beloved, that is us. And it is us. So point C, got to keep moving. Faithful fathers, you know what they do? They fight for those they love. That's what a good dad does. Lot had already been delivered by Abraham and 300 trained servants uh, and, and, and his whole household. In that favorite account of mine that I just mentioned in, in Genesis 14. But in our emasculated world, this is a very valuable virtue. Because you know what? Uh, this childless shepherd ended up delivering Lot's family. And as it is said commonly... The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is good men to do nothing. If Abraham would have sat on his hands, Lot wouldn't have made it as far as he did. But he did make it. You know what? Lot didn't come out of Sodom. We find him later, right? We find him later. Genesis 14 is when he gets delivered by his uncle Abraham. Maybe he should have rethought this, this location, right? Maybe he should have thought, well, maybe, maybe living down here in Sodom isn't the best location, Maybe I should move somewhere else. But you know what? He stayed in Sodom. We know what happens by the time we get to Genesis 19. We have a failed father, and his family's destroyed because he stayed in Sodom. I tell you what, man, we've got to get out of Sodom for sure. God, God uh, does not want us, or I mean, we've got to get back to being the men that God wants us to be. Don't, if you want to be a bad dad, don't open your Bible. Don't have any purpose on this planet. Just go back to sleep. Just pitch your tent towards Sodom and suck in everything this world has to offer and, le- and just tip God, you know. Just throw a little at God so people think you're doing okay. And, man, you, you're going to end up like Lot. And this is convicting. I don't want to end up like Lot either, so I'm not just saying this to you. These are things on my heart. This was just a quickie message that God put on my heart. It's really a devotional thought. So faithful fathers are faithful to pray as well they're faithful to pray this is where we find abraham in our text he's interceding for his nephew and his family he's he's uh 
he is sitting there interceding, trying to get his his nephew Lot and their family spared from the wrath to come. He's bartering with God. Would to God we be interceding for our families and friends as we understand judgment is being unleashed on the world and will likely get worse before it gets better. See, Lot isn't uh, recorded that I'm aware of. Now, you can correct me if you can find it, and please do, seriously, because I, I, maybe I missed it. But I don't think that he's recorded in the Bible praying at all, except for asking Uncle Lot or Uncle Abraham which direction they want to go. But that's not a vertical prayer. I don't think I see anywhere where Lot is like seeking the Lord personally. He's riding off of someone else's coattails. Man, that's a huge lesson when it comes to prayer. I'm not, this is not the Roman Catholic Church, and I am not your priest in that sense, although I do pray for you faithfully. But the point is this, every man in this house has to have their own vertical relationship with God. That's the bottom line, man. Or, this, or these generations, these beautiful children, they're at risk. And, 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 and man, it's important that you have your own relationship with the Lord. And it's vertical. Lots of, I don't know where he's praying. You know what? If we prayed as much as we complained, it would change everything. Take that complaint vertical. And I'm saying that to me too. I mean, I was thinking, these are things God's put. This, again, this is a devotional thought. These are things God's talking to me about. I just thought I'd share them with you. You know what I'm saying? These are things that your preacher's sitting around, God's saying, hey, Brian, you better be this because this is where we're at. I can't see the blessing of God. Can you not see the blessing of God? Can you not just rejoice in all God is doing? I mean, I'm excited about who God is and what he's doing in our midst. I really am. I'm excited. And I'm also sober. Because I have to be. And if you're a man, especially I'm shooting at you men, you have to be. And if you're not, lay down the sauce, whatever your sauce is, and get the secret sauce, which is God's word, right? There is no other sauce you need. You don't need the meth sauce. You don't need the porn sauce. You don't need the entertainment sauce. You don't need the gambling sauce. You don't need the whatever it is, the the internet uh, obsession, whatever it is. And we all have the devil is working his hooks on all of us. Lay it aside. Set it aside. And make this your secret sauce. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. That is the key right now in this culture. And if we don't, we will see the results in these kids because they are being the target right now as we speak. Pointy or whatever number we're on. Uh, Faithful uh, fathers believe God's word, right? Abraham was called the father of faith for a reason. He believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Romans 4, 3 says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him righteousness do you believe god if you believe his word that's a yes if you don't believe this book i'm telling you you don't believe god it's a concept of god it's a construct of god but it isn't the god of abraham isaac and jacob it's not the god the man christ jesus the the man jesus christ left us his mind and it is this book behold i come in the volume of a book it's written of me this bible is his mind if you don't believe this bible don't tell me you believe god people do that all over america oh i believe in god but they don't believe the bible we got to believe the Bible. And when we believe the Bible, we believe God. And when we believe God, we have his counsel, and it's sure. And, and God can say of us, you know what? That man, that woman believes God. Abraham believed God's promises to the place that he was willing to offer Isaac, as we know. And, and some of us need to remember to trust God with our children. Not just train them up, but then also send them out. That's the hard part for some. You can train them up, but then you got to launch them, right? Like arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of thy youth. And you got to, it's that last part, right? Aim them and shoot them, you know, letting them go. You've got to let them go and hit the mark. By God's grace, they are straight arrows and they'll hit the mark. Abraham believed God's promise to the place that he was willing to, to offer his son and let go. And, of course, God restored 
his relationship. And and a ram was caught in the thicket, picturing the Lord Jesus Christ. Trained them and sent them. Lot ignored God's word and proceeded to return to Sodom after after he was rescued, as I mentioned. And he ended up losing his family, with the exception of his two daughters, who were so twisted and perverse that you know the story of Moab. And if you don't, you'll have to go back and read it. Not worth mentioning right now, but it was a mess. And it, it became and they ended up his posterity started as, as as following Abraham, following God, ends up his children hate God's people and become their enemies. Isn't that ser- terrible? Faithful fathers obey God's word. Abraham was not sinlessly perfect, as I mentioned, but he did obey God's word. He was faithful to leave the Ur of Chaldees. He was faithful uh, to offer his son. He was faithful and and uh, God blessed him and God blesses us when we train our children the way they should go and we value the kingdom of God over the things of this world man there's much more to this world than money uh we've got to have a, a priority on the value of the word of God and the mission of God and the call of God in our lives that's what lot taught his children uh that's what lot I'm sorry forget got to teach his children and they got caught up in Sodom and faithful fathers that here it is and will be done. They fulfill God's word. Ultimately, Abraham, the reason that God in this text, and I chose this text, is God, God is asking this question. It's just a fascinating thing. You know, as he's, he's, he's talking here, and the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Like, God doesn't really need to consult anybody. <laughs> and he's allowed this text in here just so we could see this, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. I have entrusted I have entrusted this promise to Abraham. Man, what a great blessing it is. Abraham became what was written. He became a father of faith. Are you what is written? You know, the Bible calls you sanctified. The Bible calls you holy. The Bible calls you redeemed. The Bible calls you loving. The Bible calls you kind, uh, full of grace, mercy, peace. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of attributes that are attributed to us. In the New Testament, particularly, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, meekness, all of those things, are, are, are we those things? If not, why not, right? I mean, I got, I got to tell you, when I see these kids, come, we're having an adult conversation, right, because the kids left the room. I'm just sitting, telling you guys, what we saw up here today is precious. And I tell you, men, we need to be about our Father's business. We need to be following Him. So that they can follow him as well. And I'm telling you, they desperately need our examples. Some of these kids don't have examples that are worth following. Let me just be frank with you. Their, fa- their examples are not fathers of faith. They're fathers that are taking them straight to Sodom. And by virtue of going to Sodom, where else does that take us? That's right, hell. Prepared for the devil and his angels, not our children. And so, I'm just saying... I love what God is doing. I mean, all the rejoicing, all the celebration. I'm all about it, guys. I really am. I am seriously all about it. It just it warms the cockles of my heart. I'm serious. When all this stuff that's going on with these kids, it fires me. I don't know how we can keep out of the children's wing. I mean, it's so precious. It's the best place in the ministry to work, just see, working with these kids. But you know what, guys? At the end of the day, in addition to children, we need men. And we need faithful men. And we need as many as we can get. Can we get 318 men that can be sold out on this book and go anywhere God calls us to go and put any army to flight? 
I don't mean with machine guns. I mean with the word of God's grace. Man, I think so. Why? Because we believe God. Amen? Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time in your word. I pray a blessing on the reading, the hearing of your word, the great celebration that we've had today with Christ's